0: The Bible reading today comes from Psalm chapter 77, verses 1 to 20, which can be found on page 851 of the Bibles on your seats, or you can follow along on the screen next to me. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron.
1: Good morning, everyone. If we haven't met, my name is Matt, and I have a role in the Southern Region of the Trinity Network. We're beaming in to both Woodcroft and Tonsley this morning. With us being a little short on preachers with COVID, the flu and a number of people across the network on much needed holidays. It was wonderful to spend a few weeks with Woodcroft uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago now, and I'm looking forward to spending a lot more time at Tonsley in Term 3 and getting to know a lot of the newcomers there. So as I'm only just getting to know many of you, I chose a Psalm to preach on that's close to my heart. The Psalm of Lament, just read Psalm 77. Because for me, I think I've learnt the most about myself and God during times of fairly intense suffering. Eleven years ago, I was two months into my first year of ministry. I had a congregation to look after at Trinity Church Adelaide. And then on a Friday morning came a phone call from Dad that my brother, who'd had a long-running battle with depression, was missing. An hour later, I was the first one to find out that he'd taken his life and had to tell his wife and three kids. As you can appreciate, it was a really tough time for many. If I went around the room this morning, many of you would have had experiences of great loss as well. And in a church family, if we don't know how to grieve and suffer well as followers of Jesus, it can create a great barrier, firstly between us and God, as well as a barrier between us as part of a local church family. As we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ who are enduring great trials, we often have a great heart to help. But for many of us, we don't know what to say or think we have to have the perfect Bible verse or theological reflection. And because that's elusive, we often end up not saying much at all. As a pastor, I know that for every announcement of a new baby, there are those having great difficulty having kids. For every wedding announcement, we wanna celebrate there's always someone grieving of a lost relationship or a difficult one. Across our church family, we have uh, those suffering through many types of trials, poor mental health or physical health, under or unemployment, degenerative diseases, loved ones lost. And if we don't have the culture or ability to talk about these things with one another, we can operate somewhat superficially. And even more importantly if when suffering strikes we don't know how to relate to God it can be quite spiritually deadly too so whether you're suffering right now or have been recently i hope this reflection's helpful to you yet equally if life is going great i hope you pay close attention because understanding how to use the psalms well is a necessary skill for all Christians to possess for our own good but also so we can help our brothers and sisters in Christ who suffer and in doing so generate real depth in our fellowship together. So it'd be great to have your Bibles open in front of you to Psalm 77. For those familiar with the Bible, Job is the character in the Old Testament that first comes to mind when you think of suffering. In the book of Job, we read of a man who suffers the unimaginable loss of his children, possessions, and for 40 chapters, we read of his pain, his complaints to God, and those who try to counsel him with the common religious wisdom of the day. I've always found Job a hard book to get my head around, trying to work out whether what the counselors are saying is wise at points, or is it pastorally cruel as they theologize about God? And Job goes as far at points as to accuse God of having become his enemy and having lost control of the situation. In his pain, Job gets it spectacularly wrong about God and says some things Christians would not dare say. Yet at the end of the final chapter, uh, 42, verse 7, God commends Job, but is angry with his three miserable counsellors. It's the key verse we're given to understand what's been going on with Job. In the more literal translations, it's stated that God is angry with the counsellors for not speaking about God what is right, like Job has. Yet modern scholarship puts forward a convincing case that it's most naturally translated that God was angry with Job's friends because they had not spoken to God as is right, like Job has. Job, in his pain, his complaints, his accusations against God, was the only one speaking to God in prayer, even though he got it badly wrong about God at multiple points. He was commended for praying. Yet God's anger burned against Job's miserable counsellors because as some believers tend still to do in crisis today, all they did was stand around and speculate about God as Job suffered, instead of speaking to God in prayer. When suffering comes, God as a loving Father wants us to pour out ourselves in prayer to him. Even if in our pain and anger we get the content wrong, we want to be people who speak to God as is right. And it's that understanding that helps us grasp hold of the Psalms which give us a spiritual vocabulary and model of how to do so. 41% of the Psalms are what we call Psalms of Lament, where we read of the psalmist pouring out their fears, their doubts, their complaints. Many, like Psalm 77 today, level accusation at God like Job did. As we unpack it, I want to say that the Psalms are not written for us to develop a theology of suffering. Rather, they are written for us to help us practically at our time of deepest need to speak to God. Because not speaking honestly to God during times of suffering or going quiet on God can cause us great spiritual harm. And if we feel we have to put on a brave smile at church when we're suffering and say something theologically sound that we don't really feel at that point, it's damaging for our life together too. One of the modern greats in Psalms, Scholarship, Jamie Grant, critiqued the problem well, saying, When did we all decide that the God who knows everything, that loves us dearly and knows our hearts, prefers us to mouth polite, theologically correct lies to him, instead of pouring out the truth of how we really feel? With that in mind, let's turn to Psalm 77, a great psalm that gives us vocabulary to express our feelings to God when we're pretty low. It's thought to be a communal lament written to be said or sung together during a time of calamity for the people of God. You can very much imagine it being used by the Jews during the long decades of the exile in Babylon. But I think the lack of historical context is actually a real gift from God to help believers of any age appropriate these words as needed. The first nine verses resonate so well with us when we're in deep suffering suffering, and God seems absent Look there, verse 2, that idea of distress-seeking God and not finding comfort. It's shocking for us that the psalmist would be so blunt, yet so real, verse 3. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak, verse 4. And in verses 7 to 9, the tone gets even stronger, asking if God has rejected them Had his apparently unfailing love vanished? Has his promise failed? Has he forgotten to be merciful? Many of us by default would think we can't speak to God like that. But let's have a think about what lamenting actually does. It's much more than just expressing sadness. We're voicing complaint to God, and I think that's a good thing. An atheist can rant and rave all they like, fully expecting it to make no difference at all. Yet as believers, we're expressing faith when we voice complaint like this. We're saying to people who watch on as we suffer, and boy, do they watch on to see if this Christian belief is actually worth something. As we lament, we're saying to others, we believe we have someone to complain to and we believe it makes a difference. As we lament, we're saying to others, we believe we can communicate honestly with our God and have a relationship that can weather the severe tests that suffering brings. There is something extremely profound to see a believer in the pits of despair and hurt, just pouring themselves out to God. Lament helps us because we can air hurts and disappointment. And speaking honestly to God is an act that maintains relationship when that relationship is under stress. Ask any marriage counsellor what's worse. A couple who fights all the time or a couple who have given up and won't talk to each other. It's the latter that's far worse when communication ceases. With God, it's better to pray, to voice complaint, anger and doubt when you're suffering, even if you're like Job and get it wrong. Keep speaking to God as is right, and the Lament Psalms give us the language and encouragement to do so. It is hard sometimes to be among God's people when we're suffering, particularly if we feel the pressure to say those polite, keep your chin up, theologically correct sounding lies, instead of being able to share how we really feel. It can be hard if you feel like as soon as you express doubt, complaint against God, anger perhaps, that people will try and freak out and help you say something a bit more theologically correct. I'm sure we'd find it much easier to be amongst us in times of trial if we were confident people might love us and simply lament with us. Recapturing the psalms of lament can help us get there together. I suspect one of the reasons we might not find psalms as helpful as we should is because of that movement from lament to praise. We can read, for example, the first nine verses of Psalm 77 when we're suffering and think that sums up exactly how we're feeling perfectly. It's so raw. It's so real. Then the appeal to God, the statements of faith and confidence in verses 10 to 20 can actually make us feel worse because we think, well, I don't have enough faith to say that at the moment. And it makes you feel like you've failed again. And something like Psalm 77, written to give you comfort, can actually cause you more pain. So it's super important to know how to use the Psalms and know that Psalms are like songs written today. They're often written over a period of time or even if they were written in an afternoon, can express an emotional journey that may have taken years, like a modern song of loss and finding love again from Taylor Swift. It's okay for you this day To be in a place where you might only be able to pray the first nine verses of Psalm 77 and simply long to be able to say the last 11 with conviction and confidence but the Psalms don't just give us a hope for moving from lament to praise they do give us guidance on how to do so nearly all the lament Psalms do move to praise all but Psalm 88 As you read the laments, as you pray them, look at the actions the psalmists have undertaken which move them to praise. They remembered the deeds of the Lord, verse 11, his miracles long ago. He considered or pondered God's works, verse 12. He meditated on all God's mighty deeds and considered his ways. At a time of national calamity, it's appropriate the psalmist remembers a time of God's great rescue of the nation. For us, recalling Old Testament history is helpful, But we often thirst for something a little more in times of suffering. A great thing to do is to reflect on on Jesus on the cross, suffering the wrath of God against our sins so that we don't have to. You can do that powerfully with Psalm 22. It's the Psalm Jesus prayed at the time of his greatest suffering as he hung on the cross. Whatever the Psalm meant to King David as he wrote it hundreds of years before it, finds its greatest fulfillment in Jesus When he mouths its opening line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The opening line of Psalm 22, which prophetically says so much about the cross. All who seek me mock me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. They divide my clothes among them. And it finishes with the great claim that future generations will be told about him. Proclaiming his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn that he has done it. Speaking about the Messiah who would reconcile God and man, it's a wonderful encouragement that God keeps his promises and tells of God's ongoing work around the world this day through his church, proclaiming the great news of Jesus. Reflecting on God's past actions like the psalmist does is a great thing to do when we're feeling lost in the present. God's action on our behalf on the cross is the greatest of them. Yet coming through great trials and out the other side with God takes time. So don't beat yourself up if progress is slow. For today, however, there's one final challenge to alert you to that we face when using the Psalms of Lament. Many of us who love God treasure the gospel of Jesus, believe God can act in our world, but actually work on the assumption that he usually doesn't The Psalms challenge us uh, because there's either an implied or explicitly stated call for God to act now in this life for our good. If you've fallen into a pattern of believing God won't act when you pray, it's good to be challenged on this by the Psalms. Yes, we do go through periods where it feels like prayer is unanswered. Hence, we have Psalms that include the very raw and real feelings of the first nine verses of Psalm 77. But we do worship a God who acts powerfully in our world today. And it's one of the greatest blessings of Christian fellowship in a church family to have those times of unanswered prayer balanced by seeing what God is doing in the lives of others that we do life with as Christian brothers and sisters here at Woodcroft and Tonsley. And in other gospel-driven churches in our network and beyond, on the mission field overseas through CMS, across our country with Bush Church Aid, And at the bible college of south australia it provides perspective and assurance as we see god answering prayer in all sorts of ways as we persist in our own sometimes in silence and particularly when the answer to our prayers is no i've been praying a lot for my brother before his death and the answer to those prayers was quite obviously a no from god yet in god's kindness it's balanced from 10 years earlier where he attempted suicide by the same method and was saved miraculously. Ten years earlier, there were visions of angels, outcomes that completely confounded medical wisdom, giving us ten more years. So for me, I know you've got to have an understanding of God and his ways that encompasses both the astounding, miraculous yeses to our prayers, as well as the crushing silence of God's nose. And praying the Psalms of lament when we're crushed, running to God like a loving father, speaking to him about how we really feel with the Psalms is a very precious remedy. Knowing the God who acts today does make our displeasure at his seeming inaction at times even more real. We often don't have enough information at hand to see what God is doing through our suffering. Yet as we speak to him, we are expressing trust in him, even when we get it all horribly wrong theologically. In our pain, we might overstep. But we keep speaking to God with psalms like this one. Because we have a God who cares. Follow the psalmist's lead in remembering times where God's presence in your life was keenly felt. Consider his ways to previous generations. Meditate on his word. Long for God's answer, and however long it takes when it comes, declare his praises praises like the psalmist do. In the depths of suffering, know that we worship a God who came to earth as a man and suffered for us and ultimately for us on the cross to deal a decisive blow to evil so that anyone can have their sins wiped clean to secure an eternal future free of suffering for all those who repent and believe in Jesus, our suffering servant king. I want to close today by using the first nine verses of Psalm 77 corporately together. We'll say it out loud in a moment. And as we do so, just be aware that for some of us, it might unlock the emotions of hurt, suffering, disappointment, past or present. If that's you, you might not be able to speak it, but do feel the love of your brothers and sisters in Christ saying it on your behalf as we lament together, knowing that corporate lament helps deepen our relationship with God And it also helps deepen our relationship together. And also at a time where our world has many griefs, you may wish to think of our brothers and sisters in Christ being persecuted and suffering trials across the globe. So let's lament together now with verses 1 to 9 of Psalm 77. And then we might just sit in silence for a few minutes. I cried out to God for help. I cried out for God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord at night. I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked Will the Lord reject forever? Will he never again show his favour? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion?